This is Body Count, a horror movie podcast, with your hosts, Trent Scott and Graham Asher. <laughs> Welcome to Body Count, your home for all things creepy, crawly, googly, gory, or anything else that goes bump in the night. I am Trent Scott, and he is Graham Ashley. Hey, hey, what's up, and welcome back, everybody, to Body Count. Trent, hooray for the internet. How about that? How do we start? How about we start the show praising the internet <laughs> and internet connections and Wi-Fi everywhere? Yeah, you know, it's this amazing thing that we take for granted in the modern world. <laughs> But yeah, for those of you wondering what Graham's talking about here, the show is coming out a week later than originally planned because, well, a peek behind the curtain, we normally record this show on uh, Thursday afternoons before it drops on Fridays. And last Thursday, we had a massive internet outage in my neighborhood. I had no internet for like 18 hours. And so no podcast. No podcast. Um, Yeah. Bummer, obviously, Um, you know, it has to align with our schedules, right? We're both working full time. With this, believe it or not, this isn't our full time gig, right? Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, Trent, you you text me and you're like, I got bad news, man, no internet, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's outage. It'll be back soon, but 18 hours, man, that's like a, yeah, that's like a SOS, right? <laughs> yeah, it went out about 2 p.m. and didn't come back until 8 a.m. the next day. Yeah, bummer. Um, but we're back here. We're back this week. We're here and now, we're... though. The internet is working, <laughs> yeah. at least for now. We had another outage yesterday, so we are at high alert, but I think we're going to make it. Yeah, we're going to make it, and we're um, we're reviewing a really fun movie. Trent, why don't you tell everybody what we're talking about today? Today, we are talking about the first installment of the Final Destination franchise. Yes. Um, what came out in 2000 spawned a pretty decent franchise wouldn't you say how many films are we up to now so there are currently five with a sixth in production sixth in production well awesome i know uh my let's see how old was i in 2000 my 14 year old self absolutely loved this movie um love the premise we got devin sawa from from our childhood you guys remember him from movies like now and then and uh he played the voice of casper um back in the day so um, I was a big fan. I love, I love Casper, by the way. Yeah, Casper was awesome, wasn't it? Christina Ricci. Yeah, she's great. Um, the guy from Independence Day. Uh, Bill uh, Pullman. Bill Pullman, yes. Bill Pullman played the dad. Um, so, yeah, that was a fun one. But we're not talking about Casper Day. We're talking about Final Destination. So, um, kind of a unique in our um, in our horror genre so far, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, this is definitely, I, I can't even really think of anything else to compare it to because it's not really a slasher, although it certainly feels like one at times. It's not, it's kind of supernatural, but not in the traditional sense of that term either. So yeah, it's kind of like a slasher without the killer, if that makes any sense. Right. Would you compare this to, and I know it's not like a one-to-one comparison but maybe something like the ring where like they're 
something happens and, and they're they're destined to die kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's I you know, that's about as good a comparison I think as you, you can come up with. Yeah. Okay, so final destination. We have a high body count. I've got some great bloody bits for this one, but before we dive in, Trent, why don't you give us your one sentence synopsis for Final Destination? Final Destination is all about the worst spring break trip ever. <laughs> oh, love it. And accurate. Um, yeah, this is a uh, high school kids just want to enjoy a trip to Paris, man. Yeah, you know, you think you're going to Paris and and something happens and things don't always turn out the way that you hope they will. But um, yeah, let's jump into the plot, man. All right. So the movie starts, we get our opening credits, and then we meet our main character, Alex, played by Devin Siwa, Sawa, whatever. <laughs> he's, uh, he's packing his bag. You know, we find out that he's going to Paris. He's talking to his parents. From there, we see him at the airport. We meet the other uh, classmates that are going on the trip with him. This mainly consists of uh, there's, there's seven people in particular we want to spotlight here. There's Carter Horton, his girlfriend, Terry. There's Clear, who is uh, played by Ali Larder, who's going to basically become uh, the romantic interest for Alex. Additionally, there's the comic relief of Billy, portrayed by Sean William Scott. And there's our teacher, Mrs. Luton. So these are the main people that we're, uh, that we're interested in. Alex is stopped by like a religious freak. Uh, his buddy Todd recommends they go to the bathroom, you know, because it's a long flight, you know, just kind of character building stuff, you know, funny moments. And then they start to board the plane. Alex is asked to switch seats. He switched seats. And we notice the knob breaks on his, like, uh, his tray or whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, boom, goes the dynamite. The plane explodes. You know, everybody dies. And then all of a sudden, Alex wakes up and he's back in his original chair. So he's freaking out. He's just had this vision of the plane exploding. So he runs up to the seat that he switched to in his, in his vision. The knob breaks again. He's like, oh my God, this is real. He starts freaking out. And eventually our group of seven that I just talked about all wind up getting kicked off the plane. And then uh, as they are arguing, like in the terminal or whatever, they look out the window and the plane, in fact, explodes. Boom. And Trent, we we texted over this. We do get a number. This immediately is the most we've had for a body count, correct? Yes. So our previous all-time high was, I believe, 84, courtesy of the right. Belco experiment. Mm-hmm. Well, that record has come to a smashing end because <laughs> ring the bell, 287 people on board all day. Please do not ring the bell 287 times. <laughs> Just one bell. Um, yeah, you know, there's always a bigger fish, right? So um, <laughs> Final Destination takes the uh, takes the throne for the most kills. And in Five the first minutes in, we're, yeah. we're at 287. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, Alex has like a premonition, if you will. He dreams this is going to happen. Um, He goes through his steps and everything's happened in sequence like it did before. You know, he was pretty nervous flyer anyway. (laughs) Um, So this kind of reaffirmed his nerves. But um, let's just talk about like, what would you be feeling in that moment? Um, 
from anyone's standpoint that got off like grief slash relief slash what i mean i mean it would be it would be very confusing um very confusing where you have this guy telling you oh the plane's gonna explode and then it actually does you're like i mean I, i think if you're one of the other people your first thought has to be he did something to the plane right right yeah Um, I mean, you have to because, but at the same time, I mean, he's a high school kid. He's a high school kid. Yeah. And he was, he was there and he got dropped by his parents and he boarded the plane just like everybody else. So um, yes, definitely very confusing. Um, Shocking, if you will. Um, And it had a pretty cool, you know, during his premonition or or, I guess it's not a flashback at this point, it's a flash forward, but um, pretty cool. CGI realistic kind of plane crash remind me of Fight Club a little bit. Yep. So anyway, so the plane goes up in smoke. Everyone is staring at Alex. The police take him in for questioning, but they don't really got nothing on him. So the families arrive and they pick up Alex, but nobody comes to pick up Clear. So Alex's family takes Clear and drops her off at home. And then we get our news report confirming 287 deaths. And then we skip forward. It is now the funeral. There's like a mass funeral for everyone involved. And Carter approaches Alex and acts like a total jerk. Says, you know, he doesn't owe him anything and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Then Billy basically thinks Alex is like a psychic at this point. So he asks him (laughs) if he's going to die young or if he's going to be able to ask that girl out. Right. And then Mrs. Luton tells Alex that she, that he scares the hell out of her to leave her alone, which, well, what a bad job by this teacher. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this teacher. She's freaked out by Alex. Like I said, they're at a memorial service, if you will. Um, Carter, who, this guy was in Dawson's Creek, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, I knew you were a Dawson's Creek guy. Um, what's the, what's the name of the actor? <laughs> This is uh, Curry Smith. Yeah, Curry Smith. Um, wait, is that his name? Curry Smith? Kerr. Kerr Smith. Okay. Yeah. Like Steve um, Kerr. K-E-R-R. Yeah, he's just like a stereotypical jock dick, you know? Um, yeah. He even, he makes the bold statement to Alex during this memorial, I'm never going to die. Yeah. <laughs> never, so, okay. Okay, Carter. So then... Uh, Todd, who is Alex's best friend, his brother George was left on the flight. He did not get off, get off the flight. And so his brother George is one of the victims of the 287. And, you know, Todd basically says that he can't hang out with Alex right now because uh, Todd's dad just doesn't understand and that it's a very confusing situation. And then Clear approaches Alex and gives him a rose and thanks him for saving her life. Yeah, I think like one of the only people acting kind of reasonably in this situation, you've got the teacher who um, is not being very professional. Um, You know, the best friend is, you know, it's a bummer, but um, that his dad doesn't approve. But come on, I mean, you're a high school senior. Um, Go hang out with your buddy during this time. That's what I would do. Carter, his girlfriend, basically following following him around like a puppy dog. Um, So, so yeah, clear, clear is the only one showing gratitude. Yes. So then that night we uh, we have a scene where we're cutting back and forth between Alex in the bathroom at his home and Todd in the bathroom at his home. 
and Alex is like reading like a magazine and like there's like a gust of wind that like knocks it out of his hands and like it gets cut up by a fan and a slip of paper with the letters T-O-D fall into Alex's lap and he's like uh-oh so he <laughs> takes off for Todd's house meanwhile Todd is like I said he's in the restroom and all of a sudden we see from beneath the toilet this like liquid like blue stuff I'm not even really sure what it is comes like slowly pouring out onto the floor todd winds up slipping on it he falls into the shower gets a cord wrapped around his neck and is choked to death ring that bell that's number 288 wow um yes body count number 288 todd yikes that was um that was an interesting interesting scene to watch there trent because you know he's we're kind of in anticipation, right? That something's yes. going to happen to Todd. And so he's shaving with a, a fixed razor, gets a small cut on his neck. You're like, okay, well, that's not too, that's not really fatal. a good job of like playing with your expectations and with the tension of the scenes. Yes, 100%. Um, we see he's cutting his nose, you know, hair with these, the sharpest nose hair trimmers ever. Um, but yeah, we see that liquid kind of dripping from the back of the toilet following him around the bathroom yes. <laughs> which it's was like, like it's like sentient yes it was awesome and because then, then because after he dies it like it like goes back up and we see it recede back into the toilet yeah and it's it's nowhere to be seen so yeah. it it appears to be a suicide because yeah he slips on the water for some inexplicable reason there's like a clothesline there yeah um and it wraps about as tightly as anything can wrap around something <laughs> Um, very intense scene. Um, I mean, you know, we're here for the, we're here for the, the gore sometimes. So great, yeah. great death here. But, um, but now we can kind of see what's going to unfold here is that, um, death that is yeah, coming you might not be survivors. safe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Death is coming. So, so Alex makes it to Todd's house in time to see uh, the police and like uh, pull, pulling him out in a body bag Alex's dad tells him this is all his fault that he killed himself because Alex didn't save George and Alex happens to spot someone else at Todd's house clear is there yeah clear um you know she's hiding across the street um did she is she also starting to get these vibes uh, that Alex is getting so um yeah pretty interesting that she just happens to be around so then Alex goes to see Clear, which, by the way, what kind of a name is Clear? A hippie name, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I kept wanting to call her Claire. Yeah, because um, Claire is a real name. <laughs> yeah, her name is Clear Rivers. So, yeah. I mean, flower child, I guess. Apparently. Um, <laughs> is this Philip Rivers, like, eighth kid? <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably his sister, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Clear Rivers. This would fit in with like some of those celebrity names now, right? You've got like oh, North yeah. and Apple and things like that. Yeah. So she was yeah. a little ahead of North her time. West. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, so anyway, so Alex goes to see Clear, and Clear tells Alex that she was there not because she saw what Alex saw, but she felt what he felt, and she she felt that Todd was in danger last night, so she went, and that's why she was there. And Alex suggests to her that Todd might have only been the first of the survivors to go. 
and that he wishes he could see Todd one more time to find out if it was suicide or if it was an accident. So the clear says, well, let's go see him. So then they break into the morgue, which this is a, I mean, terrible idea, people. It's bold. (laughs) So then this is the crazy part. So they walk into the morgue. Todd is laying there uncovered. Like, like his, his, well, his top half is uncovered. He's just laying on the table, right? And they walk in, and Alex is like, is that him? Yes, it's <laughs> yeah. him. Yes, and it's him. He has no emotional reaction whatsoever to seeing his best <laughs> friend's dead body. He's just like, oh, yeah, that's him. Yeah, I was confused by that as well. There was no emotion there. Um, maybe he's still in shock. Let's give him that. We see, like, all of the uh, cuts around uh, Todd's neck, but Alex and Clear aren't the only ones in the room because the mortician is there, played by none other than Tony Todd, a.k.a. the Candyman. Yeah, dude. Awesome to see Tony Todd as William Bloodworth. Um, How about that for a name of a mortician? Yeah, which he's not actually named in this film, but he will uh, he will come back in later films. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, Trent, there's some people that are just meant to be you know, certain jobs or certain professions. Wouldn't you think this guy was just made for this? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Uh, he seems, uh, sorry, he seems, I don't know how to describe his demeanor, but he's just about it, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So the mortician, so, and I should say, so they're, they're, they're in the room and Todd's arm flinches. So like, oh my God. And this is when he comes out of the shadows and he goes, careful or you might wake the dead. (laughs) Yeah, dude, he's got some good one-liners. So then he goes on this like monologue where he mentions that Alex was, or I should say Todd was pulling at the wires, which suggests he didn't commit suicide, that he was actually fighting against it. And he ends up telling Alex that they all cheated death by walking off the plane. Yeah, really cool line. He states, in death, there are no accidents, no coincidences, no mishaps, and no escapes. Yeah. Love it. Very spooky. And unfortunately, this is all we get of Tony Todd. We don't see him again the rest of the movie. Yeah, I know. But he comes back. Yes. In other movies. Yes, in later films. So then Alex and Clear are at a restaurant and he gives clear the, 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 the Todd cutout from the magazine. And then he, he's like looking in the restaurant window and he sees a vision of the bus. Right about this time, Carter and Terry are in his car driving down the street and Carter spots Alex at the restaurant and uh, he decides to go confront him. So he makes this dangerous U-turn, which incidentally almost causes Billy, who was riding his bicycle, to get taken out in a wreck. So now most of our survivors are all together here at this restaurant. They have this big argument, and Terry ends it all by saying, I'm not going to let this plane ride define my life. Um, And that, you know, she's breaking up with uh, Carter. And then... She takes one step too far, steps right out into the street where she is immediately run over by a bus 
ring the bell. That's number 289. Her blood flies all over uh, Carter and Alex, and it's, uh, it's a pretty gruesome sight. It's gruesome. It's surprising upon first viewing, like just, I mean, it happens in a flash. Yes. Um, very, yes. I, I wouldn't even call it a jump scare. You're just like, what the heck just like, happened? What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, another great death, honestly. Yeah. And her, her final words are, um, you can just drop effing dead and literally. And then as, she does. <laughs> yes. As, as she, the D finishes in dead. Boom. Yeah. Just annihilated. So that night, Alex is back at home, and there's a news report about the plane, and they say that it was a fuel pump issue that causes the explosion. And then Alex decides to, after hearing the report on the news, he realizes, in my vision, Todd died first, and then uh, Terry died. And so he decides to map out their seats and figure out the order of death because he realizes that they are dying in the order that they died in his vision. Yeah, he's gone like full, like into deep detective. You know what yes. I mean? <laughs> With like connecting dots and then the yarn and the and he's got tons of books about plane crashes and stuff. I mean, he's just fully, fully invested in figuring out what the heck is going on yeah as a callback to one of our earlier reviews this is like uh uh donald glover or, or i should say donald billy glover in uh saw where he's like trying to find the jigs he's got like all the maps and the arrows and the full yes yeah. alex has gone off the deep end and arguably rightfully so yeah arguably rightfully so um but yeah he's now he he knows that there there's a potential pattern and you know, can he intervene? Yes. So he realizes that next in line would be Mrs. Luton. So then uh, we cut to Mrs. Luton, Mrs. Luton's home, and she looks outside of her window, and she sees Alex. And remember, she's already told Alex that he scares the hell out of her. So yeah. she immediately calls the cops. Hey, Alex is here. So the cops come. They find Alex like messing with her tire. He he honestly tells them i was just making sure it's properly inflated like he's trying doesn't to look sure. good yeah doesn't look good but uh, <laughs> he really is trying to save her so the cops take alex away and then miss luton she uh she goes to boil some water she's like holding a dish rag because it's like spilling over she clumsily throws the dish towel on top of her knife rack which is not a good idea how would you do that yep so then she pours the boiled water. I guess she's going to make some instant coffee or something. She pours the boiled water into a coffee mug. She realizes it's a mug from the high school. And she's like, she wants nothing to do with that. She's actually moving. She's trying to get away from this scene. So she throws the water out. And she's like, no, I need, I need some, some something a little bit harder. So then she goes to the ice box. And she pulls out a couple of ice cubes and some vodka. And she makes a big mistake here because she had just poured the boiling water in the mug and then she puts the ice in the mug unbeknownst to her it causes the mug to crack yes so she begins uh drinking the vodka as she walks away behind her the vodka is dripping everywhere and and, and Trent do you think you would notice i mean it wasn't just like a little bitty drip <laughs> i know it was a like, big it was pretty big yeah. Yeah. So, like, feel like she should have noticed that. Um, but you know, 
like, huh, I'm going through this vodka a lot quicker than it feels like I should be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's it's less than pouring out, but it's, it's coming yes. out rapidly. <laughs> yes. So then, uh, like I said, she's moving. So she's in the process of packing stuff. So she sets her coffee mug on top of her <laughs> old ass computer, like old tech alert here. Yeah, love the old tech alerts. So she sets the mug on top of the computer. She goes to like wrap something up and we see the vodka starts dripping into the back of the computer. It gets in the wiring and it causes the screen to explode. One of the shards of glass flies out, stabs her in the neck. And then the vodka sets the whole kitchen on fire as she's crawling. She's trying to like, she, she sees the dish towel She's like, oh, I can stop the bleeding with the dish towel. She pulls on the dish towel. The knife rack comes with it. All of the knives stab her. At this point, Alex runs in. Um, he tries to save her. It's too late. He pulls the knife out of her chest, which is a big mistake because now his fingerprints are on a knife that killed her. Um, and he runs out, of, runs out of the house. And who should be there? Billy, once again, just happens to be riding his bike by. The whole place goes up in flames, and you can ring the bell. That's number 290. Body count 290. Um, a series of unfortunate events. I yeah, Liberty Snicket would be proud of this. <laughs> let's let's go back and um, let's go back and digest this scene, Trent. So I have some some thoughts and some. So Mrs. Luton, like you said, she's moving. She starts drinking some vodka. She wants to play some music while she's getting packed. Oh, yeah, right? I forgot that. We got some John Denver in the background. Unironically playing John Denver, who famously died in a plane crash, right? Um, walking around. I don't know if computers explode, but that one sure did, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, that one definitely did. Like you said, uh, the shard of glass hit her. Um, place goes up. Yeah, like you said, she she drags the the towel off, um, stabbing herself, and then there's like another explosion, and Which, yeah, the, and like causes the chair to fall and like yes. knives in deeper. Yes, the chair like forcefully like falls down directly onto the knife. It was like it's another one. It, it was so well done, um, just like Todd's death, where we can see these things unfolding before the main before the character does. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. That was a great death. Now, I mentioned Alex had run in just before she died. Alex, as I had said, he had been picked up by the cops. Well, he had explained, uh, this, this was another scene that was cutting back and forth. He explained his theory to the cops that they're dying in order and that she's next. And that uh, they ask him, well, can you promise somebody else is going to die? And he's like, not as long as I'm here. Um, right. And they're like, all right, well, we'll let you go then. Because they really yeah. have nothing to hold him on. He hasn't done anything. I mean, yes, he was at the scene where Todd died, but that was a suicide, at least sure. from their perspective. He was at the scene when Terry died, but there's dozens of witnesses that she just stepped at, like he didn't shove her. So right. they had really nothing to keep him there. So they let him go. He immediately returns to the house, and that's when the whole scene uh, plays out. Yeah, also, Trent, how small is this town? Because, like, the main characters meet up quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, Billy's just always there on his bicycle. Yeah, he's always there on his bicycle. Um, clears around they all ended up congregating right before terry uh, walked in front of the bus like even the teacher was there like shopping or something <laughs> um so 
So yeah, anyway, but like you said, and he did it so instinctively um, to try to pull the knife out to yes. see if she was okay. That like, you can't really blame him for that. Cause you want to be thinking, man, what a dumbass! Don't ever touch the knife. But like it happened so quick that I kind of gave him a pass on that. So then clear arranges a meeting between uh, herself, Billy and Carter, because the cops are now following her because they know she's likely to meet up with Alex. So then the three of them do in fact go searching for Alex and clear finds him on the beach. And they basically have this realization that like, we've got to fight death. And so they are uh, the four survivors then get together in Carter's car. And he basically explains everything to them that they're dying in order. Carter wants to know who's next, but Billy, well, not Billy, I'm sorry. Uh, Alex will not tell them who's next because it's like, it doesn't matter. We're all on the list. Death is coming for all of us. So th- Carter says, screw it then. And he's going to kill himself in order to go out on his own way instead of let- letting death get him. So Carter just floors it in his car. Um, he's yeah, let's mention here, um, any other classic car enthusiasts, it's, it's like a 1970 Chevy Nova SS. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a nice car. It's a nice car. And like, you know, Trent, in so many of these movies, like the tough guy jock has to drive the cool classic car. You know what I mean? But anyway, I digress. Yeah. So Carter, he's driving all erratically. Billy's in the front seat trying to fight him for control of the wheel. Um, And eventually it results in Carter parking on a train track where we see like the lights are going off. The train is coming. Um, Billy, Alex and Carter or Billy, Alex and clear. Sorry. All escape through Billy's door. Carter is sitting there waiting to get run over because he's going to go out his own way. But then he has a change of heart and he tries to start the car. He says, uh, what, what, what's his line? And it, he says, it ain't my time. And he goes to start the car. <laughs> the car won't start. So then he tries to undo his seatbelt so he can get out. The seatbelt breaks. He's stuck. And then Alex at the last minute rushes in and pulls uh, Carter to safety and we're like, wow, Carter was supposed to be next. They yeah. just cheated death again. This is amazing. Only for the train to run over a piece of shrapnel and immediately decapitate Billy. Ring the bell, that's number 291. And this happy moment did not last very long. No, it didn't. Um, dude, another like shocking scene because you're like, wow, they, I mean, this is the train dodge that would make stand by me proud. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was so close. Um, Billy's screaming like, you know, um, stay the heck away from me. That thing gets popped up. I mean, his head comes off clearly quickly. I mean, just all the way off. Um, Shocking. Um, And then they start arguing and they're like, not even that upset about what just happened Again, to Billy. Did you notice that? <laughs> these kids handle death remarkably well. Yeah, no empathy. They're just like, now they're just like, you know, infighting amongst themselves yes. as like Billy's head is rolling down the road, basically. Yes. Um, yeah. But another great death. Yeah. So at this point, Alex says, well, that means I'm next. And so they come up with a plan. Clear is going to take Alex and hide him in her father's cabin. So we see Alex is now in the cabin and he is like safety proofed everything. He's yes. like duct taped all the sharp objects down. He's wearing gloves. 
he is taking everything as carefully as he possibly can. He's yeah, it's it's like it's like a first time parent baby proofing like a house or something. It is hilarious. He even puts like a um, he puts like a wine cork on like a like a protruding nail, which is pretty smart. Um, I thought it was funny how he puts pretty thick gloves on to open up a can of food. A tuna, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, mushy tuna. And then it shows him he he scoops it with a plastic spoon, he puts it in his mouth, and he like chews it mm-hmm. down very, all the, like I'm not choking. Yeah, very carefully. <laughs> it's <was> pretty funny. <laughs> um, so then there's this little sequence where he almost gets stabbed through uh the closet, but then he has an epiphany. I change seats in my vision, but in reality. I never actually swapped seats, which means I'm not next. Clear is actually next. So then we cut to Clear's house where we see uh, the cops are sitting outside her bedroom window. They're watching her. There's a big lightning storm, which causes a power line to get knocked off and become this like live wire where the, 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 the cord is like sparking. So Clear runs outside to try to save her dog from this live wire, inadvertently causes her above ground pool to bust open. So now you've got this live wire dancing in the middle of this water, which if it lands, you know, could set off a, a huge explosion. Yeah, is water a conductor? <laughs> I think so, right? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. So she does manage to free her dog. Um, meanwhile, uh, the cops have gone to... Uh, find alex they track him down to the cabin he escapes he boats away which was kind of funny um, yeah he, he, yeah you know when in doubt have a rowboat you know what I mean? yes exactly so they like wind up chasing him through the woods so clear trying to escape this whole live wire situation decides i'm gonna go to my garage i'm gonna drive away from here so she gets in her car the garage door opener winds up breaking a pole falls <laughs> through her windshield she gets stuck. Alex arrives just in the nick of time. Um, um, and he realizes that there's one way they can end this whole thing because she's supposed to be next and then it's supposed to be him. But if he sacrifices himself to save her, that should close the loop. And Carter and Alex, or Carter and Clear would then be safe, but Alex would be dead, but at least it would all be over. So he makes the heroic move. He grabs the live wire as she uh, escapes from the car. He's like, you know, blown, you know, back by like the shock or whatever. And they're checking on him. And then all of a sudden we see some bright lights and we fade out to an airport and it says six months later. What's going on here? And then we see on the airplane, there's Carter and Alex and clear so alex survived it's six months later and they have gone to paris they are celebrating the fact that they beat death we don't really know what happened to alex but he seems a-okay here so they're at a restaurant and they're, they they have this big toast to their fallen friends and they're all just happy to be there but alex reveals something that's been bothering him this whole time because he saved clear 
which meant he should have been next in line, but death never came from him. It's been six months. He hasn't had any close experiences. So clear suggest, well, maybe the three of us were always meant to survive. But Carter, ever the skeptic and rightfully so, says, no, that just means you're still next, Alex, which means I'm the safest man alive because death has to come for you before it can come for me. So as long as you're alive, I'm okay. Right. So then Alex has this vision. Doom is coming. He jumps up. He tells Clear and Carter just to stay away from me. And he starts to leave. And then uh, Clear sees that he's about to walk right into a bus, just like Terry did. So she yells for him to stop. This results in the bus, like, swerving and hitting a pole. So then Carter, like, tackles Alex to save him from being hit by the pole, which means death just came for Alex, and he was saved, which means Carter, no longer the safest man alive, because it's his turn yet again, and he is immediately wiped out by a sign. Ring the bell. That's number 292. And credits roll. Boom. Leave it on a cliffhanger there, Trent. Well, is it really a cliffhanger? I mean, kind of. We still don't know what happened to Alex or Clear. Because then, I guess, since Carter saves Alex, then Carter gets it. Then it has to go back to Clear, right? You would think. You would think. Yeah, that was an interesting turn of events. So I'm really glad that they didn't do the bus bit again. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Because that would have been lazy. Um, And it kind of catches you off guard. Like you said, that that's there's like a a, either a pole or a sign that's swinging toward Alex Carter saves him. He stands up and he goes, I just saved your life or whatever. Now, who's next? And then you can see the sign approaching. And it's a pretty great um, shot there. But. But yeah, so my initial thoughts on this, Trent, like I said uh, from the jump, really loved this movie in the year 2000 when it came out, was fascinated by it. Um, Pretty strong cast, really, and we'll talk about them here in a minute. But, you know, it was fun. It was a fun horror movie. I, You know, it's not too scary, I would say. Um, I really like being able to see the things that... um, I mean, you got to say the character is death, right? Um, that's doing to these characters that they cannot. Things like water dripping, uh, like with Todd and the kind of sequence events that happens with uh, Mrs. Luton. Um, Billy's was just pretty instant, so we didn't really have any buildup right. for that. Yeah, there was no buildup. But there was a lot of um, a lot of peril for, for clear, that whole thing. Um, yeah, a lot of fun, man. What was your thoughts? Yeah, it was a good time. Um... I, I did kind of think that the whole clear sequence, like it was just like one thing after another. I'm like, this is getting yeah. ridiculous. Like how many different, right. like, cause I kind of- Everything's sk- trying to kill her. Yeah, like I kind of skipped over some stuff, just, just, you know, kind of streamline it. But it was literally like seven different things trying to kill her. Like, can we kind of just like keep focus? Yeah, I agree. Um, that wasn't the best, even though that was a climactic scene, that wasn't, well- I guess climactic scene A and then climactic scene B at the end, but right. um, Miss Luton's honestly was probably the, the coolest death scene, I would say. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, well, I guess because she got the real, because Billy and Terry just died instantly. Right. 
So the only like extended death scenes were really hers and uh, Todd's. So right. um, yeah, I, I guess she probably had the, had the best one. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how much it holds up to today. It was still fun. Um, of course, this spawned, you know, a number of sequels that have some really cool, um, especially Final Destination 2, that, that opening scene with the, uh, on the highway with the, the, the logging truck was pretty awesome. Um, but even then, they just kind of, they just play it over again, right? They're just like, all right, let's turn the record to side B and, um, and nothing really changes. But yeah, I thought it was fun. Sure. Uh, so, Graham, what kind of bloody bits do you have for us this week? Ooh, I have some good bloody bits here, Trent. So, the first one, I would say, and, you know, these, I'll go from least exciting to get a little more exciting. So, Clear's Cabin that Alex is in um, happens to be the same cabin in another horror film that came out around the same time. Do you remember Lake Placid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they filmed it at the same cabin of Lake Placid with the giant alligator in the lake. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting one. Probably the same studio. I didn't have to look that up. Yeah, I, I, would I would have assume to imagine. So. It's <laughs> yeah. a, it's a, this is a New Line cinema production, by the way, which, as I've talked right. about before, New Line is the house that Freddie built. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, that's a good one. So in the film, Todd, his name is only spelled with one D. Right. Typically, Todd is spelled T-O-D-D. Um, in German, Todd, T-O-D, means death. So oh. um, any German speakers out there could have picked up on that. How about that? Um, another one that uh, my Hispanic friends might um, might have kind of seen the symbolism here is while Alex is sitting in his bedroom reading that magazine before Todd's death, there's an owl that lands on the tree branch outside of his window, right? In many cultures, including the Mexican culture, owls are viewed as omens of death. Hmm. So there's a, I've seen a couple videos on this actually. Um, villages in, in Mexico really do not like owls. Huh. Um, so yeah, like I said, they view that as the incarnation of death. So a little symbolism there if you're familiar. And then this one's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's a I'm sure it was done on purpose. It's a little bit of a stretch, but there's a number of props in this film that contain references to assassinated presidents. Oh. Or almost presidents. So Mrs. Luton leaking copy cup from an inscription for Mount Aberman High. Uh, Carter Horton's car had a license plate beginning with the letters RFK, um, which is, you know, Robert Kennedy. Uh, The plane takes off from JFK Airport, um, et cetera. So... I don't know if it's a stretch. Um, I'm sure it was, you know, there's no accidents in this. Sure, sure. But, um, but yeah, so those are my, my bloody bits. But I do have one of my favorite things, Trent. And I can't do this with every movie that we, uh, that we talk about. Oh, but yeah. Casting What If, huh? Yeah, the Who was almost cast. And so this one is going to blow your mind. Are you All ready? Right, let's hear it. Okay. So this came out in 2000. You guys, you got to put yourself 22 years ago. Um, I'm sure uh, the studio saw this, thought, you know, this could be a big, this could be a big hit. So they had some original casting choices for Alex and Clear. And those original choices were Alex, played by Tobey Maguire, and Clear, 
and clear, played by Kirsten Dunst, people. Oh, wow. We almost got the uh, the Spider-Man connection. (laughs) Yeah, we almost got the Spider-Man treatment for that. So as you guys know, both of them were in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy uh, that came out in 2002. So, um, yeah, it could have been Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst in this. Wow, that's very interesting. It is interesting. If you're, so if you're done with your bloody bits, then I've got one for you, Graham. Let's hear it. So this film wasn't originally written as a motion picture. Are you familiar with, with this? No. This film started out as a... Are you familiar with what a spec script is? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what a spec script is, it's when you write an unsolicited script for an already existing property. So a lot of times like agencies or whatnot, will tell uh, potential writers that they're looking at signing. They'll give them an assignment to you know, test their writing skills. They'll be like, go write us an episode of Friends. And then it's, it's kind of like a test assignment. So Final Destination was originally written as a spec script of the X-Files. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah, and probably would have been a great X-Files episode are you a big x-file guy yeah uh i say you know when they had the whole revival god it's probably been like what five years ago now that that, that they had the yeah. big comeback so i tr- attempted to binge watch all the old shows <laughs> um i got like halfway through the second season and it's not that i didn't like it because i actually really did like it it's just it's just one of those things where i kind of lost the steam and then you know it's like when a couple yeah, of days and then other I, things yeah. yeah just went a couple of days without watching an episode and all of a sudden it's been two weeks since i watched the episode you know and so it just kind of kind of fell off but so i've seen about a season and a half of the original right files and i really liked it and i just i never never went back to it yeah that's yeah that's cool so with that in mind uh how about we talk about the cast because like graham said this is kind of a, a who's who of that late 90s early 2000s you know teenager early 20s crew uh yeah Devin Sawa as our main character Alex Bounding yeah you know it's one of these things I saw it so long ago for the first time I really can't see anybody else kind of in the role because I didn't give it much thought back then and it's just you know that's Devin Sawa in the movie um, I thought he was okay I didn't think he was fantastic I think there's a reason why he's not in more things today um I think his best acting was in Eminem's music video for Stan. Yes, he plays Stan, the psychotic (laughs) fan who winds up uh, committing a murder-suicide because Eminem won't write him back. Yeah, that's what I know him most from, and this, I guess. Um, So then our uh, female lead, Allie Larder, uh, probably most famous for two things. One, heroes, and then for, let's be honest, guys our age, Ali Larder is most known for one thing and one thing only, the whipped cream bikini. Yes, 100%. Uh, when I think Ali Larder, I think whipped cream bikini from Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues with, uh, of course, James Vanderbeek of Dawson's Creek fame, which leads us right <laughs> into his co-star from Dawson's Creek, Kerr Smith, who played Carter. Yeah, you know, I don't know a lot about Kerr Smith. Um, I don't really remember his character in Dawson's Creek. I watched that back in the day, but, you know, have no recollection of exactly what went on. Was he, like, soft in Dawson's Creek and he was trying to 
portray himself as more of a tough guy or, or what was that about? Honestly, it's been so long since I've watched Dawson's Creek. I don't really remember his character because he, you know, really Dawson's Creek was about the big three with uh, Vanderbeek, Katie Holmes, and Josh Jackson. And everybody else was kind of a B player. I, I guess you could throw Michelle, uh, Michelle Williams up there, but I mean, so, so he was a regular, he was a regular, he, I'm, I'm looking, it looks like he did like 113 episodes. So he was there for most of the run, but he, like I said, kind of a, kind of a B, B role. Yeah, and he was a jerk in this. Um, I think that's probably the easiest character to play, um, just being a dick to everybody. And then, arguably, the most famous person in the cast, Sean William Scott. Yes, um, 100%. And this came out, American Pie came out in 1999, I think. It did. Yeah, this was so first this was movie after that. Yeah, and totally different from Stifler's character. Um, he's kind of a wuss in this. Um, provided some decent comic relief. I could have used more Billy, maybe. Um, I think if they redid it today, he'd probably get a bigger role. But um, yeah, he was fine. Yeah, listen, listen to this run, though. 1999, American Pie. 2000, Final Destination, Road Trip, and Dude, Where's My Car? Awesome. 2001, American Pie 2, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, and it's then, a good three-year run. Well, he did, a, he did a movie with The Rock soon. So after, we're right? 2003, American Wedding, the third American Pie film, and The Rundown with The Rock. So he had quite the run. Uh, 2005, The Dukes of Hazzard reboot with Jessica mm-hmm. Simpson. So he, he definitely had a big run. Um, he's in the Ice Age movies. Um, for whatever reason, though, you know, he's kind of cooled down the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. He hasn't been as high profile but he certainly had a pretty big run there oh i mean he's one of the most iconic movie characters yes. of the late 90s i yes. mean stifler, stifler is amazing yeah stifler's yeah definitely definitely up there with um he's, he was kind of like that generations and this might be a stretch but hear me out here like john belushi's character from animal house right um yeah that's a good so yeah, Sean, big, big Sean William Scott fan. Um, I saw him in an interview once where he talked about when he got to Hollywood, he's like a small town guy from, um, I think Minnesota or something. And um, he gets off the bus, he, he gets off at the wrong stop in a part of Los Angeles. Guy comes up to him, steals his shoes. <laughs> and so he walks shoeless. And that was his first day in LA. So I think it got better for, for him. Yeah, I would there. say so. Uh, but I always, when I think about... John Williams got to think about that bit that he told on a, a late night show. Uh, so we've talked about the cast. How did the film perform though, Graham? Yes. Yeah, so box office here, we have a budget, um, not a tiny budget, but not a huge budget of $23 million back in 2000. So, um, you know, pretty decent box office, more than a hundred, nearly $113 million. So that's a success trend. That is absolutely a success. And like you said, 23 million is actually kind of a big budget for this type of movie, but you have to remember this is on the back of the scream trilogy coming out. I believe I know what you did last summer. It come out at this point. Mm-hmm. So these types of movies, these, you know, we, we, you know, we, we still stole the term from Roger Ebert, these classic dead teenager movies. They were mm-hmm. in at the time. Yeah, they were in and almost made, made $90 million over budget. Um, probably had a pretty decent marketing campaign, but obviously successful movie, 
Um, Trent, you always mention this, so I'm going to steal this from you. That doesn't include like home video and all that stuff. And you know, this thing cleaned up. Um, so, so yeah. And then spawned, like we talked about, um, four other films with another one coming out. Um, I think slated for late 2022, if not 2023. Yeah. Something like that. So, so yeah, success. So then, so it did well at the box office. How did it perform with critics, Graham? Time for you to guess the tomato meter. Oh, great. Okay, tomato meter. We're going to start with the critics here. Oh, I'm always terrible with this. Um, I'm going to say they liked it because I liked it. Let's go with like a 60. With 96 reviews, Final Destination is rotten at 35%. They didn't like it. They did not. But what about the audience? They did like it. I'm going to go with like a 65. With a quarter million reviews, Final Destination has a 68% approval score from the audience. Okay. So that is fresh, right? Is it a a 60 threshold? Well, but yes, but that's only the, the official fresh or rotten or whatever comes from the critic score. They don't really certify based on the audience score. Okay, well, bummer. So it's it's rotten tomatoes there. Yeah. But what do the critics know? We all had fun, <laughs> you know. It made money. You guys are all wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the studio doesn't care if it if it performs poorly for the critics if it makes hundred million dollars. Yeah, absolutely not. So, Graham, do you have anything else you want to talk about in relation to Final Destination? No, if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch it. It's fun. Um, you know, watch the watch the second one, the third one too. Those are all. There's some great scenes from these Final Destination movies, guys. Got the opening scene of uh, the second one with the highway crash. Um, there's a great scene. I believe it's the third one at an amusement park um, and roller coasters and stuff. So, yeah, go watch it. Do it for the nostalgia. Okay, so uh, one last thing to touch on. You know, I've been trying to, you know, let you guys know where you can stream it. Now, unfortunately, Final Destination 1 and 2 are not currently available as any, like, regular streaming package. None of the major streamers are streaming the first two. Ironically, Netflix has 3, 4, and 5. But if you want to watch the first two movies, you're going to have to pay for it. So you can go to Vudu. That's how I watched it. Rented it for 3 bucks. Uh, I believe it's on YouTube, also $3, a couple of different places. But unfortunately, this is not streaming anywhere. But I know you guys will find it. Yeah. So with that in mind, that puts a stamp on this one. But we must look forward to the future, Graham. Oh, always looking forward. And, you know, one of the hallmarks of this show is we kind of book our show based around the calendar and holidays, Graham. Yes, we do. And since this is coming out a week late, well, when is this next episode air? So tentatively, and again, if you guys have learned anything, it's <laughs> tentatively. Life happens, you know? Yes. So our next episode is scheduled to drop March 11th. Well, March 17th, just a week later, it happens to be a holiday, Graham. What holiday would that be? It would be St. Patty's Day. Oh. That was my attempt at an Irish accent. How'd <laughs> yes. I do not great. So for our longtime listeners, you may remember last year we released a bonus episode 
where we recorded uh, a review of the original Leprechaun. Now, for those of you who have not heard that, the reason it's a bonus episode and not an official episode is because, you see, before Graham and I started doing the show for real, we did about five or six test shows just kind of try to figure out the format. Well, Leprechaun was one of those test shows. So it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of a regular show. Uh, A little rough. You know, a little rough. We hadn't quite worked out the format yet. Uh, it's still funny to listen to. There's a lot there, particularly if you're a fan of Jennifer Aniston. So you can go back in the archives and find that. Yeah. But we need to do an official episode. We're not going to rewatch Leprechaun again because that would be pointless. So no choices this time, Graham. I'm making an executive decision. Our next episode will be Leprechaun 2. Oh, just Leprechaun 2. It's not... You know, Leprechaun. We're not. In space. We're not in the hood or in space. We're not in the hood. Okay. Okay. Leprechaun too, man. Um, I even forget the Leprechaun's name. Trent, tell us the Leprechaun's name again. I will once I Google it. <laughs> uh, it's been a year and a half for crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not like a Pennywise. It doesn't stick in the memory. Lubden. L-U-B-D-A-N? Okay. Well, he doesn't have a cool... I thought he had a cooler name. Okay. So he's just the leprechaun. How about that? Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is great. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Leprechaun 2 right now, and it says it is also known as One Wedding and Lots of Funerals. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> oh, can't wait. I can say I don't think I've ever seen Leprechaun 2. Have you seen Leprechaun 2, Trent? I do not believe so. And... Um, That is the rare, guys, the rare movie that neither one of us have seen and we've reviewed. Yeah, and I hate to break it to you, Graham, but there is no Jennifer Aniston in this cast. I'm looking at the cast, and I don't know any of these people. So I'm sure they're all terrific performances that we're in line for. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, We know we're going to get something good out of, uh, is it Warwick Warwick Davis? Yeah, Warwick Davis. Yeah. He's always good. Is he? Is he, though? I'm going to say yes. I mean, it wouldn't be a movie without Warwick Davis. Well, we'll find out exactly how good he does (laughs) next time on Body Count. But, Graham, before we leave, how about you tell him about our social media? Yeah, guys, if you don't already follow us on social media, you can on Instagram at Body Count Show. Uh, We post screen caps of the movie we cover. We post movie posters. We have some bonus content there as well. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, hit us in the chat, give us upvotes, um, share our content, like, follow, engage. We'd love to talk to you. Um, so with that, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time on body count. <laughs>